Good evening and welcome to another look as we uh, dig once more into uh, the book of Revelation and uh, what God through John is saying to us. And I would encourage you to have um, your Bible open or maybe a notepad. Um, we're going to kind of try to take a 10,000 foot view of um, the book of Revelation tonight. And uh, so just encourage you to, to grab that and uh, we'll start with prayer. God, we thank you for the book of Revelation, for the hope that it gives us, for the promise that it gives us. And as we look at it, help us to uh, hear in it and see in it uh, the clear message you give to us, that you are triumphant, that you hold death and Hades in your hands, and we uh, are given the strength by your spirit to overcome. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So one of the most important questions in looking at the book of Revelation is to ask the question, what time is it? What time is it? And this is a difficult question for a couple of reasons. One of the reasons is that God's timing and our timing are different. God sits outside of time and enters into time as the uh, person of Jesus. And so when we read a book like Revelation, one of the things to bear in mind is when we are in the throne room of God, uh, is this past, is this present, is this future? Um, what has happened? What are some of the clues we see when we see the, the signs and the wonders in heaven? What time uh, are we in? And one of the great things about how John writes uh, Revelation uh, as God inspires this vision is that we are given some clues as to where we are in knowing what time it is. So, for example, in our passage this morning, we noted that in Revelation 5, verse 6, we are told that the lamb is looking as if it had been slain. Now, we can't be absolutely certain what time this is because the Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 that the, God chose us in him before the foundation of the earth. And so what allows us to be chosen in him happens before the creation of the world. But on the other hand, it's very clear from the gospel writers and from the Apostle Paul and the other New Testament writers that the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, is killed and raised to life and ascends at a very specific time in history. And we confess that and profess that with our faith by using the Apostles or the Nicene Creed. And so when we are shown the Lamb who is looking as if it has been slain, we are encouraged to think about the Jesus who has died, who has been raised and who is now ascended and sitting at, on the throne of God. And so that's, the, that's the, a, both a past scene and a present scene and a, a future scene. Now, there's a few things that tell us as we think about that scene, 
how John is progressing through the book. Because the scene we get in Revelation 4 and 5 in the throne room of heaven transitions to a different scene at the end when God is uh, dwelling with his people. The city of Jerusalem descends and the dwelling of God is with humanity. And so the throne room of God expands, so to speak, and the city descends. And so uh, the scene we get is very different. So the question becomes, how do we move from Revelation 4 and 5 to Revelation 21 and 22? And there are some clues. And if you have a pen and paper or your Bible, I would just uh, note these texts. The first one is Revelation 8, verses 1 and 5. Revelation 11, verse 19. Revelation 16, verse 17, and then Revelation 21, verse 3. But before we read those and look at them, there's another text we have to look at, and that's Exodus 19. And in Exodus 19, we witness God descending from heaven down onto Mount Sinai to fellowship with his people, Israel, in the desert to speak to them in giving him, uh, giving them his words, the Ten Commandments, but also to be with them in their camp. And the description we get in Exodus 19, verses 16 through 19, is extremely important because John picks up on it as he talks about how God's presence descends to bring together people, and God in eternal perfect fellowship. Exodus 19. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. God descends, the people come to the mountain, gather around Mount Sinai, and this is what happens. Now in chapter 8, chapter 8 verse 1, after the seventh seal is opened, and in, uh, we have silence. And then in verse 5 of chapter 8, we read, There came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. So the seventh seal opens. And suddenly, the dwelling of God is descending. And then it sort of pauses, and we get chapters 9 through 11. And then at the end of chapter 11, we get the same song, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. We have all of the nations and tribes and peoples and languages gathering around the throne, saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And then we get this, with the seventh trumpet. Verse 19, the seventh trumpet sounds, and there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a severe hailstorm. 
In other words, it's almost as if the presence of God and all that comes with him is getting more severe because his presence is coming closer. Then we have a sign in heaven, chapter 12, that sort of continues on for a ways until we get to chapter 16, verse 17, when the seventh bowl is poured out. After the seventh bowl, quote, flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake and hailstorms, hailstones fall. Chapter 16 is the last time we hear these signs. But again, in chapter 11, as these things are unfolding, as the thunder is happening, as the lightning is happening, as the earthquake is occurring, we are given a glimpse into the open door of the temple, into the very presence of God. That's in chapter 11. In chapter 16, as we read this text, as the seventh bowl is uh, being poured out, we're given another glimpse into the very presence of God as it is descending to be with his people. Now, we might imagine that at the end of the story, as God is finally settling down in the presence of his people, that suddenly the same kind of thing would happen. Right? That there would be uh, peals of thunder, that there would be lightning, that there would be an earthquake. But that's not the scene we see in Revelation 21, verse 3 where we hear a loud voice that says, it is done. In chapter uh, 11, the temple is open. In chapter 16, we also hear, it is done. It is finished. Now the dwelling of God is with human beings, and he will live with them. He will be their God, and they will be his people. But there's no earthquake. There's no thunder or lightning. There's no rumblings or peals of, uh, there's no threat of hail. What has happened between chapter 16 and chapter 21? In a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about cosmic victory. And we're going to look at how God, at the very end, as the books are opened, as the judgments are poured out, all of those evil forces, all of the rulers, all of the authorities, all of the uh, principalities of this present age, all of the spiritual forces of the heavenly realms, all of those are judged and eternally thrown into the lake of fire, which is to say that everything evil, everything that would hinder the presence of God from descending, all of the sin has been dealt with. And now there is perfect fellowship. Now, if we look at the structure of Revelation in that way, that John is given a glimpse into the heavenly throne room in the immediacy of the resurrected and ascended Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb who was slain. And as human history unfolds in the seven trumpets and the seven seals and the seven bowls and the seven, we are given a closer and a greater glimpse and how the presence of our God is descending to be with his people forever. And how that presence wipes away sin so that there can be perfect fellowship. That structure, that 
uh, pulling back to ask the question of what time is it? Helps us to see our role as witnesses, chapter 11, as sealed ones to persevere, chapter 7, as those who are to not be caught up and tempted by the powers of this age, 14, 15, 16, but to hold on to the truth of the Lamb. What time is it? That question remains extremely important, not just in the book of Revelation, but even now. Because we often struggle with the question of, are we getting any closer to the end? And Jesus, of course, says, soon and very soon I will return. And so when we ask the question, what time is it? The answer remains the same. That the Lamb is on the throne. That his beloved ones have been sealed. And that the presence of God is just a moment away for all eternity. So hold on. Let's God, we again thank you for this book, for the imagination it stirs, and for the way that it fills us with hope. Help us not to be sidetracked or distracted by the things we don't understand to zero in and focus on and find hope in the things that we do. Understand and help us to persevere. We pray in the name of the Lamb who is worthy, our Savior Jesus.